Hello and welcome to Planet Wool, a podcast from the International Wool Textile Organization. We would like to say thank you to the Australian Wool Innovation and the Woolmark Company for supporting the production of this podcast. Australian Wool Innovation and the Woolmark Company, owned by and working for Australian wool growers across research, development and marketing of the world's greatest fibre. At Planet Wool, we bring you a series of wool industry experts from the 85th Congress of the International Wool Textile Organization. In this episode, you will listen to the panel discussion between Phil Dickinson and Raffaello Napoleone, chaired by Katrina Rountree. The discussion was part of the retail forum sponsored by the Woolmark Company. Well, I'll just wait, to wait for Phil to please come and join us on the stage. Thank you so much, Raffaello. Um, You have to admit, as the final um, uh, session, how dynamic is it that we have these two people who are forcing us to look at our future, who have turned things on its head in regards to the entire marketing of this industry and who are telling us we're dealing with the future prospects, we've got our finger on the pulse, rethink things. So ladies and gentlemen, this is our, our final Q&A. So I do ask you please, if you have questions, this is your moment. I'm going to come down and, and have a chat. I do, uh, oops, is that on? Yeah, I do uh, already have a couple of questions um, that are coming up on on the app. But uh, firstly, thank you so much. It's exhilarating to have both of you here. And as I say, you know, if, if you had spoken on the first day, your point would have been missed. But the fact that you're wrapping things up for us is, um, it really has that extra emphasis. It has that extra meaning. It's the shot in the arm that we, we needed. Something that I thought was interesting, Phil, when you were talking and you were talking about brands, you mentioned Karl Lagerfeld, and you want to you want to buy into the the image of that brand. I, I quickly googled Ralph Lauren. You know, Ralph, we all know Ralph Lauren, and he has completely set up his brand about this image of this lifestyle that he wants us to buy into. And I, you know, Ralph Lauren, who's now worth nine billion at least nine billion dollars, was born Ralph Lifshitz, and he was born in the Bronx. I have n selling, ties. selling ties, right? So what I got from from that message was you can reinvent yourself. You can be the brand that you want to be. It doesn't, uh, it, it can be completely aspirational and don't be bound by your past. Think about where you want to go, create that. Am I sort of on the, the right mark with that? Don't, don't be held back by, by that heritage element, but where do you want to go? Yeah, I think you are right um, in that. I think they, um, it's really, really important to acknowledge everything that has been created in the past, the heritage, the craft, the provenance. They're, they're the foundation of anybody's success. But I do believe that the, the nature of the consumer today, and it isn't just generation whatever it was, Z, I don't know, it's everybody. I mean, I, I behave totally differently today than I did three years ago in terms of my interaction with digital and how I you know, go about buying things. I, I don't have a credit card. I'm a <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, I just, if I've got it, I might spend it. I, my approach to buying things is if I can't afford to burn it, I don't buy it, right? right? Um, uh, it's really old-fashioned attitude, but I'm, from, I'm pretty 
poor. I'm from a poor background, right? But I don't forget it, and it makes me feel like um, what Craig was saying. It makes me what I do today. You know, uh, he was chatting about being called Robin by some dude. <laughs> when I was uh, four, I lived in a caravan in a field. My dad was a farm labourer, and he would send me out of the... It's like bullshit, right? He would send me out of the caravan every night to pick wool off the barbed wire from the field where our caravan was. And when I got a carrier bag full, I would take it to market in Moulton, which is a small market town in North Yorkshire. And some old dude who was probably having a quiet pint minding his own business would give me a fucking penny, right? <laughs> and so not everyone needs to know that, right? But it makes me... You are today. Well, I am, right? And it makes me know that even if I go back to that, it ain't bad, right? And you so, used to so, pick the wool <laughs> off the fence. <laughs> and you're, this is a wool suit. This is a virgin wool suit, yeah. This is a virgin, <laughs> this, this term, this is a virgin wool suit. Look at you now, sunshine. Look at you now. That is amazing. So, once again. So, yeah, so the past is important, but it should also be a springboard to your potential. Hmm. And I think you guys have got stacks of potential, and I just want to see a bit more of it. So let's just get back to this little point. You know, we've got our we've got people from AWI and from Walmart. In fact, there's you know they're sponsoring today. The little bomb that you sort of planted here was don't you, you don't have to use so much of the imagery that is that is. There's been so much discussion about um, you know about the mulesing and whatever and the and the. The, the images of the sheep and and the reaction that it has to consumers. You're actually giving us the idea, don't stress too much about that. Go in a completely different direction. Well, I think that I think it's fascinating that wool comes from sheep, right? But, and it's fascinating the process people go through. And I'd love to go to see the farm and the fence and everything like that. You know, I mean, I, I love the idea of manual work and, and doing things properly and taking care. And, you know, I'm not into the idea of happy sheep, but I, I, the principle is absolutely bang on for me. I don't think that's a campaign for you guys. I think that the idea of amazing animal husbandry and looking after things that are really, really precious and, and taking care of that and actually curating that story in an amazing way has got loads of potential and it's got legs, you know, it's got more than four legs, right? It's got loads of legs to make it into a fascinating story. And I think if you were to look at the idea of that through the lens of something like National Geographic, right, it just changes the way that the story comes out for the consumer and it engages people. There was a... A TV show in the UK recently about um, agriculture. Me and my wife watched it, and it was about a, some poor sod who was a, a Guernsey dairy farmer, and because of tu tuberculosis caught from badgers, his farm got closed down for six-month periods at a time. And he had to kiss goodbye to some of these cows that he had an intimate relationship with. It was sad, right? But it changed the conversation from people going, don't kill badgers, that's bad, Fine. to... Look at this poor sod. And he didn't ask for that, right? So it's the vehicle through which you tell your stories is really, really important. And the tonality of that is really important. And so if it's like some dude who's got a bigger back garden than me in you know, Queensland or wherever it was, who's got, probably got stacks of cash and a big motor, well, I'm not interested. But if you show somebody's hands, right? That those hands that we saw parting the wool, that's, that's gold, right? Storytelling gold. That was quite and beautiful. I think that those things need to be celebrated. People, people engage with that sort of stuff. But if it's just me, sitting, like I said, sitting in my bedroom at home going like, oh, you know, leave the dogs alone, <laughs> you get a campaign of people who don't care about what you've done to create that giving you a hard time. You just 
backlash against it, push back and say, no, this is the real story. And I suppose that, that takes us on the arc to the images that you showed us from your trade show. For me, it was exhilarating. I felt exhilarated. When I think about, um, I mentioned I, I'm a, a wool grower and, and we, I wake up every morning and I can see the sheep in the fields in front of us. And when I think about that fibre ending up on those, like in those fashion shows and, and, you know, these thousands of exhibitors coming over and talking about that wool, that wool that was created there, ending up over there. Tell us, um, what are some of the things um, that you would like to see from us growers and, and the, the textile market here that we could fit into what you want for your audience? Concerning wool, okay, yes. what? But for sure, uh, and I'm not so expert from a starting point of view of wool, uh, I presume that it will be very, very important, at least in Italy, I presume also worldwide, to uh, explain uh, through the uh, very young generations what wool is today. Uh, I believe very much that uh, uh, the sustainability, sustainability uh, process uh, that has been uh, uh, one issue for years without a real involvement uh, will be one of the major issues in, for the young generations in the next future. Uh, we have a very uh, good example that is the Volkswagen scandal about the uh, pollution. Okay. Yes. That yes. is a completely different story, but that touched very much all generation. It has been not just something that touched uh, the owners of uh, Volkswagen or cars. Remember also the, not it was all on the news, the VW scandal when, and, um, and, and wasn't it some college students in yeah. America that would never even think about yeah. buying a, a, a VW anyway, a Volkswagen yeah. anyway, and they basically unraveled the company. But the, the strange thing, the extraordinary thing is that I have a daughter, uh, eight years old, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, she's studying in a French school in Florence, well, this kind of subject uh, touched also a, a girl uh, so young because it was uh, one of the, the point of discussion, light discussion probably, but also due to the newspaper, the televisions and uh, all the information they can have, they are much more careful about this. As they are also much more careful about food. They are more catch, uh, careful about the way you throw away papers or plastic or the rest. Being wool so uh, natural, so important, so also, in my opinion, uh, uh, easy to touch the fantasy of uh, uh, the young generations. In my opinion, this could be working with the cult not cultural, the uh, uh, for. Um, the Ministry of uh, Instructions. I mean, uh, you probably have also to start this kind of uh, explanation. Primary, primary industries? Yes, yeah. yes exactly. It uh, could be a stupid or a simple concept, but uh, if you want that the consumer would be uh, more and more attracted by this uh, raw material, this is the starting point. Then you have to do research, scouting, uh, the creativity, the contemporary, everything we know has to be done and that to be as much close to the uh, made by hand and so there are many other options but we need from the very beginning 
to invest in these generations. Uh, when you said that you were scouting for designers, is that right, scouting for designers, is that international? Absolutely, yes. And how do they get in touch with you? Uh, we are lucky because we have, for example, in Pitti Uomo, uh, around uh, uh, 10, 12,000 people uh, from all over the world attending. Uh, Pitti Filati, also we have many designers that works in the studios of the designers coming there. So we are in touch. Being leader at the moment, we receive lot of uh, applications or uh, mails or relations. The social okay, so, media so are helping us. So a designer can actually contact yes, you yes, yes, and yes, ask yes. for your Absolutely, guidance. Yes. Yes. And, and can I just take that a step further? When you were talking about Knit Club um, and the, um, the tutoring, um, we have manufacturers here from Turkey, uh, people um, from um, Argentina as well. Are you open to that international market there as well? Absolutely, yes. We can get in contact. Uh, like always, it depends from the quality of the production. Uh, we are very lucky because due to the cluster Italian system, uh, we have very strong areas where knitwear is produced in very high hand, very high quality, but we are absolutely open and happy to host the best uh, international producers. See, that's just so wonderful for all of us to hear that, that there is this international community and everybody is open to ideas and, well, I suppose that the sense of community in all its forms. Ask for help. Get in touch. You're there to, to lend a helping hand. Uh, Phil, I have a question uh, from the app here. What are your impressions of what consumers love about wool versus what turns them off wool? Um, are they of equal importance? Can you, can you sort of tell that? I think... Um I think that depends um, on their experience of wool, I suppose. And, you know, we heard like loads of stories about school kids wearing scratchy jumpers and all the rest of it. I think um, most, when I was working at Nike, we tried to do a, a wool mix uh, soccer uniform, which I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, we, it's a free story for me as a, as a guy who's been standing in front of 400 journalists for, you know, multiple World Cup football tournaments and saying, oh, you know, this polyester fibre is going to wick some sweat away from your skin. And then, you know, looking at these journalists who are thinking, we're not going to eat tonight because that's not a story. And so doing a wool football kit was an amazing story because it's disruptive. We didn't do it because of the prickle, prickle factor, okay, which, which to me is one of those things that you just get used to, right? And you just ignore it after a point, if you, if you feel it at all. And so I think that prickle is one thing. And then also like the idea that I can't wash this garment or it's going to be hard to care for because not many people go through the process of wearing um, wool. I mean, I'm speaking specifically about sports right now, mm. wearing wool to play sport. And as a... Um, say, but, but we've, we've learned over this yeah, conference, you know, it's, the, it's the massive market and yeah, we need to get huge, it together man. on it. I mean, like, like I, I've worn um, V-neck lamb's wool sweaters to go soccer training in for ages. Not because I'm super rich, but because it was just kind of handy, right? It is practical. And then you wear it once and you're like, what the hell, this is amazing. And it's, it's, it's getting people the experience and letting them try it. And if you've, got, you've got to find the first movers um, in the market who are going to influence people. I was, just, I was telling somebody yesterday that um, with my little ideas company, I never go looking for any work anywhere. People just seem to find me at the right moment. 
And um, you're open to all, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It depends, you know. I mean, like I am. I really like the idea of applying ideas to lots of different problems. But recently, I was contacted by somebody regarding um, doing some work with David Beckham, who is a pretty strong global brand, probably the mm. most or the strongest athlete-based brand in the world. I found out through the guy I was chatting to that he sells. This is quite an interesting fact. Um, or generates two hundred million dollars worth of fragrance sales. Mm alone so as a brand he's highly marketable he wants to start a sports brand and hopefully I'm going to get the gig to do that and when I get the gig to do it one of the plays will be to create access I mean, well be to create access to sport for loads of people he's a UN, UN um, ambassador mm-hmm. or UNICEF ambassador sorry and and he's the only person who has his own fund within that organization uh, and I think because soccer touches so many people, he's a great ambassador for that. But I'll be encouraging him to also make a play on how do you maintain a healthy lifestyle or a wealth, wealthiness, or whatever it was, wealthness, um, lifestyle, um, for people like my age, right? So, um, and then, that's an easy play. David Beckham wears Merino to compete and train for sport and keep looking so amazing, blah, blah, blah. What a great family man. Oh, his son, who's a, also a pretty good footballer, wears a bit of merino to compete in. You can start to change the conversation, but you need an icon to drive it. And I don't, again, I don't agree with um, the simplicity of Craig's argument yesterday about you find the digital influencer. Because those guys are just commenting on, they've got 10 million followers by commenting on things. Mm -hmm. Very few of them generate content. I think that you find the appropriate global icon. I think David Beckham's got 80 million followers. So, and he's been there and done loads of different things, right? So if I can get that gig going, that could be op- opening for a new market in a strong way. So I think that that changes people's perception of what wool is. Mm-hmm. But you need someone to do, you need someone to do it and to be the figurehead for that. To drive it, to yeah, be positive. Do. Yeah. May I ask? Do we have some um, questions? For, oh, hi. Here we go. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Phil. Um, I'm David Knudmonth. I manage a, uh, a rather large farm in Victoria for a large um, spinning mill uh, owner in Germany. But I also have my own farm and uh, my son's 25. He's just come home. Um, we've set ourselves some goals on Mount Hess to have as profitable a, a flock, merino flock, as any other enterprise we could run on the farm. My son just sold all the last of our merinos because he said, Dad, I can't wait that long. So I'm just wondering, I'm a little bit confused after your talk about who's who's responsible for this um, promotion or driving wool forward. Given that my farm could look like that behind you or it could be full of cattle or it could be cropped. You know, generally speaking. Yeah. So first of all, get some carrier bags. Get your son out on that big fence. <laughs> get your margins. <laughs> and I, I, th- I mean, I think that, like I said, you know, when I did the stupid stunt, getting all those leaflets and putting them on the stage, right? You got 500 pages there of a, an industry talking to itself. Uh, none of that, none of that information is going to go and become consumer-facing. Like I said, there was one thing. It was a double, double-sided, 
document from the Tasmanian wool producers where they apparently had employed a design company to make sure it looked like it could be consumer-facing. So hats off to those guys, right? The rest of it, maybe the guy who's pulled all the trees out can use those trees to make the paper to make all that other stuff. Because it's doing... I mean, you guys know the stuff inside and out. I think if you were to, as an organisation, get together and say, we're now going to do a takeover of this particular event or this moment, and you say, I'm, I'm making this stuff up, right? There's a World Cup coming up in two years' time. You take over a sport magazine like Green Soccer Journal, which is high-style conversation on sport, and you have the wool edition of that, not called the wool edition of that, but everything in there is about your product. You have the, um, the furniture fair, right? Milan Furniture Fair. You go and find the best interior magazine in the world. You said to them, we're going to do a wool takeover. You don't call it that. You have a massive feature in there on that. And, and you keep on doing that until people get the idea that, oh, something's going on here, and it's about quality. And why wouldn't you want to have that? You know, I could have a polyester suit on, right? <laughs> but I don't want it. My suit's cheap compared to stuff I see on, on you guys, but still got a bit of wool. I think that you have to get, you need the advocates to get it rolling. And I think then you can have a farm like that. Or then you get the McDonald's like crafted beef burger. I don't know. The th I mean, the good thing about wool is it's very hard to make a shitty product. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can go and get a cow and grind it down. <laughs> but for you guys, you can't really make a bad product. And that's a that's a pretty strong position to have. And I think that, yeah, you know, I can go and get some cornflakes as well made out of cereal that's probably pretty crappy. You're, you're on the upside of the next gen or the, the next consumer group's sentiment of wanting to be better and have a better life. Yeah, it's, I think it's all there to play for. It just depends if you can get to find ways to get together to, you know, maximise the potential of this team of people, then you're in a really strong position. You know, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be trite, but maybe you need to drop in some people like me to some of these conversations that you guys are having, or to spend some of your cash, because, um, you know, I can be a real pain in the ass and disruptive, but I'm also, I've also got a lot of ideas, and I'm not saying it's just me. I think there's like, there's plenty of people out there who'd be really, really interested in turning what you guys do and what you make into amazing things that consumers who are tweeting away could never even imagine. And that's why I do believe that creativity and design is a massive differentiator between the average and luxury. And point in fact, what an, I mean, what an amazing video we just saw. Yeah, I loved it. So I think that if you find the right people to partner with, imagine partnering with MAD, Mad, Mad Architects in China, they, I was going to show you an image of, um, you know, they have all those amazing ice sculptures in China. They, I've got an image from those guys, and it's black. It's black ice. And they just built this massive black block of ice and let it melt. It's stunning. And it's really simple. But imagine saying to those guys, you can 3D print some wool, knock yourselves out, make me a building. I think, if, like I say, you can't make a cheap, you know, you can't cheapen the value of wool because it's, it's nurtured, it's got provenance, etc. So why not make amazing things with it? And that's what, that's what gets on my nerves about this setup in this room. It should be full of all the amazing things we saw. You know? So we all know where it comes from. It's where it's going to go to that's important. So stick with the sheep.
Well, I can see two things developing here. One is the pushing the supply and pulling demand. Um, just to give an example from two recently um, developing new areas of wool consumption. One is, um, one is upholstery and transport, uh, where, where just um, supply-driven uh, wool um, uh, consumption is given to the, the, uh, the, the consumer. The consumer doesn't really have control of that. Uh, you know, you sit in an airplane seat or in a, in, the, in a tube, and it's very comfortable, it's durable, it's great. On the, on the demand side, I think we're moving into a totally different area now where um, the purchases are being driven by experience rather than consumption. And perhaps we should look at making wool um, something that will enhance and, uh, and make better the experience-driven X and Y generations and, and um, just uh, desiring it as part of an experience rather than a product on its own. And I think that was your point with the visuals that you showed us with, um, with the, the, the beautiful pool at the hotel, with the, what you could build from the wall. I think that's what... Is that the point that you were getting at there? Totally. I mean, I, th I think the, um, the potential of, of wool is massive, right? So, like I say, you know, when I do a bit of, like, training or whatever in my woolly jumper, it's great. I get, have a great experience. But if I was to extend that idea further, the hotel I was staying at in Thailand is boiling hot, Right. Why do I have to sit on something that isn't appropriate for that particular weather? That could be wool, right? Mm -hmm. I could have, you know, I could be sitting on an airplane for 13 hours to get there and then another eight hours to get here. Why am I sitting on something that's got some polyester fiber in it? It's going to make me sweat. When I get on my, you know, if I occasionally go to the States ever again, on my virgin upper-class flight and get some of those free polyester-based pajamas, why the hell do I want that? You know, that, so especially if you've got, like, a captive audience... They're the moments to let them experience it. You know, I mean, like I was on the flight coming over from Thailand to here with an Aussie miner who had been up sorting out some mining stuff in Thailand. And first thing he did, oh, I've got these free socks. He put on the socks, and like, I could see what they were. They were like some polyester socks. I was thinking, man, they were merino socks. <laughs> get a way better experience. You just have to find the moments to get those experiences out there, you know. We just did a project for Shanghai Challenge. You know, that's the reason I'm, I sit in this, in this forum today. Um, for the Chinese military, for their fighter pilots, which is like redesigned and redefined what they should be wearing in those extreme situations. So you can find a point of credibility like that. It's very easy to take that down into the notion of transportation, travel, you know, sticking merino in the, the most, I don't know, extreme zones soon works out for everyone else. Same, it's, it's why base layers work so well for you as a story. You're on top of a mountain, been doing some high aerobic activity, you don't want to sweat and get cold, or you know, you don't want your sweat stain your skin, get freezing, die of hypothermia. So it's easy to translate into cycling gear for Rafa, soccer gear for Nike. Find the sharp points and then tell those stories. And I think you're in a good place. You know, same with the provenance of where it comes from. Tell the great stories about it, the little sh the sharp points, and then let the consumer see what it can be turned into. I think. I mean, I think you're in a red hot place, you guys. Just need to, just, just, you know, degrees off. I always think people are, you know, a few degrees off being genius. I'm not. I'm not there, but you know, you guys have got the potential to do it. So. Uh, well, um, some of you know that I'm in the habit of stripping when I'm at some of these events. 
And the habit not, of stripping. I love it. Yeah, but I'm not going to do it this time. But I'm going to invite you over afterwards, Phil, to feel my cool merino bra. Okay? <laughs> and we won't tell your wife. That's fine. Uh, but uh, actually, the Norwegian uh, military has bought uh, wool underwear. And uh, the wool bras are doing super for the uh, women fighting in the Norwegian army. So tell that story is your point. Tell that story. Yeah. Well, I think, again, like if you go, the, the example of the magazine, the publication I showed, Monocle, they would feature that in there at the drop of a hat. It's a great little story. Yeah, yeah. I remember my first swimwear when I was young was in wool. It was really a bad experience. And so we have to change uh, a little bit that image that I got at in the past. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I used to, I designed an Italian football uniform a long time ago, in 1998. And a special request from the Italian team was to have merino base layers. Bizarre, right? And the reason for that was that their grandmothers had given them merino vests to wear when they started playing. And so if you can get, capture the imagination of people early on, it stays with them for a long time because it's a great experience. So. And the amazing thing is, is that we have a whole new generation in front of us and we, in this room, are all working together on new technology, new manufacturing, new animal husbandry. As you say, we are in a great place. It is exciting. And we're here to learn. We're here to learn and we're here to work together and move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's been a great way to wrap up our sessions. Could you please thank once again Phil and Raffaello? Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. IWTO will be in Harrogate, North Yorkshire for its 86th Annual Congress with another group of experts from industry and retail. To learn more about Wool or to join us at the Congress, visit the IWTO website at iwto.org or connect with IWTO on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. 